Welcome to the Filmlings Podcast. A weekly podcast where we analyze all that goes into effective filmmaking. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Alex. And I'm Batman. No, no, no. I'm Aaron. What? We have a guest. <laughs> and this is week seven. Holy reboot, Batman. All right. No, 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 no. This is going to be fun. So welcome oh, yeah. Aaron Johnson to the podcast, our first guest and uh, uh, resident comic book expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank oh, yeah. you so much for coming on. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, one, because it's our first guest and two, because we get to talk about Batman. Right. Best guy ever. Aaron, can you like do like a Batman, how Batman got started kind of thing? <laughs> well, you see, Papa Squad for a second. Well, you see, in 1938, Superman existed and whatever DC was called at the time, not Timely Comics, that's Marvel, whatever DC Comics was called at the time, they needed a new superhero. And then a great man named Bob Kane came along. He had an awful idea. And then his partner, Bill Finger, came up with a great, great idea of this guy who's like a... Uh, if you know the Spirit comics, Frank Miller made a movie, I think, in like 05. But they based it kind of off of him, mixed it with Sherlock. And in 1939 and 40, we got a really awesome superhero named Batman. And then Bob Kane screwed Bill Finger over until 2015. And here we are. All right. Good times. All right. There we go. That's our nice introduction to yep. Batman. Um, yep. So we jump in this week with Batman the movie, which is the first kind of modern adaptation. There were yeah. like two film adaptations before this, but they don't really count. Um, right. So this movie actually came out, I believe, after the first season of the Batman television show. Is that right? Yep. So he had yep. already been somewhat uh, established. And then our second movie we watched is uh, Tim Burton's Batman. Right. So Tim Burton did a reboot of Batman in 1989, which was a much uh, darker version of the character uh, with a lot more um, Tim Burton. I don't know if you could call it whimsy, but whatever that thing is that Tim Burton brings to his films, um, Tim Burton brought it in tons. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but this is uh, kind of based on the Frank Miller comics, or am I off? Yeah. No, you are 100% correct. Right on. So this is based on the Frank Miller Batman, and I think um, Frank Frank Miller's Batman is, is the character who's kind of uh, come to be the Batman that we consider in popular culture and continued forward into the next uh, right. two reboots we're going to talk about. Which are? Good old Batman Begins. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Probably the best depiction of Batman in modern media other than the animated series. Great Kevin Conroy. Christopher Nolan took Batman Year One and just went a whole different style with it. And then 2016. Uh, tw oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so our, we, we did four movies this week because we wanted to pick the first of each major reboot of the Batman character. And uh, so we get Batman versus Superman last year with uh, Ben Affleck, which 
is definitely riding on the coattails of Christopher Nolan's tone, I guess, and tries to yeah. get even darker and even grittier. And uh, we'll talk about how that goes uh, a little later on in the podcast. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, but for now, let's keep it light, and we'll go back to uh, Batman the movie and uh, dig into it. How'd y'all like this movie? I think we've all seen this one uh, a couple times. Yeah. At least I've seen it several times. I, yeah, I've, I've seen it a couple times. And I, I think it's impossible to not just love this movie. I don't know if it's like the most accurate Batman to the comics, but it's it, it's definitely, I think, the most lovable incarnation of the character that we're going to talk about today. No, yeah, definitely. I think it actually it is pretty accurate to um the comics at the time and that's why it's just it's just cheesy and it's just great yeah i love that the the movie starts with a title card that says to fun lovers everywhere and lovers of adventure and lovers of mystery and all this kind of stuff um and it's basically dedicating it to people who just kind of want to have a fun time and want to uh enjoy Mm -hmm. a silly movie about guys in capes running around fighting um villains in capes and trying to get rid of bombs trying to but some days you just can't can't get rid of a bomb (laughs) yeah yeah i love it it's kind of like this bygone era of um of of superheroes when they were they were goofy and they knew it and that was that was like their portrayal in popular media and and now you know we've been on like this dark and gritty reboot kick for like two decades now or more than that even but um it's 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 just a nice definitely it's a nice reminder of a different different time in comics yeah um let's talk a little bit through the story so that we can kind of i guess compare how each one of these reboots starts with the story um Mm -hmm. so it's this one's pretty pretty simple to explain i think um we have batman and robin no no setup um so we just know who they are because like i said there's already been a season of the tv show so you know who batman and robin are and um Mm -hmm. they are trying to dismantle a uh master plan by catwoman the joker the riddler and uh the penguin all four of the supervillains are working together to um kidnap the what is it it's not it's not the United Nations. What do they call it in this movie? Oh gosh, I don't know. Anyway, it's basically <laughs> all, the, all the world it's, leaders yeah, are gathering yeah. together and they kidnap them. And so Batman and Robin have to go and find them and save the world. Very straightforward. In terms of plot, anyway. Right, it's also notable um, that this is the only plot that uh, completely omits uh, the origin of Batman, um, and I don't. I want to say they don't address it in the the series either. They just work from the fact that this is Batman, um, and this is Robin, and they're established characters. Right, right. It goes from that, and then just says, "Hey, enjoy these characters." And then they even, if it wasn't for this series, we wouldn't have gotten like a ton of villains like Mister Freeze. And I think from this, you know, they end up beefing up Batgirl's role in the comics. And, you know, it led to a lot of different great things. Oh, really? I think this is the first time. Yeah, this is the first time Lee Merriweather uh, played Catwoman because they couldn't get Julie Newmar for whatever reason. 
Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that the series yeah. had an influence on the comic books. So oh, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Um, so are you saying that they invented Mr. Freeze in this TV show? Pretty much. And then the animated series reinvented him. So, like, we got a ton of great characters from then we had like characters like egghead and stuff which we never ever ever talk about again <laughs> i don't even know who egghead I've is never so heard of that i think that proves your point <laughs> yeah exactly he's a guy with a head like an egg i don't i don't know <laughs> all right then <laughs> maybe not the most inspired of villains but no but he was played by vincent price so oh yeah. interesting all right then um, so the, the other thing about this movie is that it's a kid's movie, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it knows what it is. It's, it's fun. It's cheesy. And it also has, um, you know, like family lessons and stuff. I mean, a little bit, they're kind of thrown in there. Like Batman and Robin are extremely, you know, moral kind of salt of the earth kind of people. Um, and, and I mean, they, they throw in little things here and there, like, Alfred has got to take Robin to go somewhere. And Batman says, all right, Alfred, do you have your driver's license? Drive carefully. And it's just like these little <laughs> things thrown in there that we don't, we can't even like imagine seeing that in, in a movie nowadays um, with Batman because it's just gotten so dark. Yeah. And, and the, I guess the moral complications have shifted quite a bit uh, since then. Right, right. And, and you know, sometimes, and I, this could be just uh, a symptom of the the time difference of uh, that being so many decades ago and, and me not understanding it, but uh, a lot of those moments feel almost like overplayed morality to the point where they're a joke, um, which goes back to what you were saying with, you know, it knows what it is. It understands that it's goofy and camp, campy uh, and it completely... Uh, turns into the skit on that and just embraces it and runs with it which leads to like this really fun movie that doesn't feel obnoxious right right because it could have easily they could have easily made like a james bondish type film because it was you know around the same like time. classic james bond yeah yeah oh yeah they could have easily done that that's true i never thought of it that way but this it's almost like like uh I guess James Bond for kids, you know, I mean, he, he has the action yeah. and stuff, but, but, it's, um, he's, he's not the, he's not drinking and womanizing anything like that. He's a, well, I mean, he has a weird thing with Kitka, but that's just kind of fun and goofy and it's actually, yeah, that was, that was really funny. <laughs> and, um, I mean, there's like also little things, you know, like he's on a date with Kitka and he's drinking milk out of this like brandy snifter do you guys notice that yeah <laughs> that was pretty good because they just don't want to show him like drinking oh it's so funny right batman was still like like this uh not just a hero but a role model to kids like right. you should be like batman timmy that's that's who you should be like when you grow up no drinking you know maybe no finding crime but no yeah. drinking and i mean there's i mean they're constantly discuss it like whether it's right to do something i mean when batman is on the date with kitka or i guess bruce wayne is on the date with kitka and um robin and alfred are are watching through their their monitor i guess i don't know how they got a camera into uh the little coach that they were in but that's besides the point but (laughs) but uh 
Robin is like, okay, I don't think we should be watching this. This is his his private life, even though they're on an investigation. Um, but it's like just such a, I guess, innocent movie. It's it's a, uh, it's just such a different time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I know you does. made some notes this week, Aaron, about um, the effect that Adam West himself, uh, his his portrayal of Batman, ended up influencing the uh, the the comic. In reverse, so I was I was curious how how did that play out? Did did comic Batman become Adam West Batman? Yeah, pretty much. So like in the fifties, he was kind of like Superman in a Batman costume, and then as soon as like they called it Batmania in the sixties, but as soon as like that came through, post you know season one of the show and the movie came out, like Batman acted like straight up Adam West version and then you know this is kind of before the 70s when they tried to go a little more darker but like for a good decade he was almost a carbon copy of Adam West uh, depiction of Batman wow yeah that's pretty interesting that's hard I've, I've never read any comics um, yeah. that far back so that's that's really interesting to hear because I, I know for me, someone who's grown up watching the Christopher Nolan films, um, mm-hmm. that's my impression of Batman. That's who Batman is right. to me. Um, and he's an interesting character because he lives in so many different incarnations right. in, in popular culture. Unlike, um, unlike I think, Marvel characters, just a tiny DC Marvel comparison there, DC characters feel a bit more uh, mythological in the sense that there's so many... Uh, different incarnations and backstories and more bits of the story seem to change, um, especially with Batman, because he's just proved to be so popular. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, um, and that's just, you know, and it's reflected, like you were saying, pretty much through every time they make another comic. uh, If you just look at the decades, you know, after the 30s, um, Every time you get Batman, it's still Bruce Wayne, even if, you know, like, say, you know, Robin becomes Batman like he did in like 09. Every time it goes right back to Bruce Wayne. It's just like pretty pretty much a reboot. Right, 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 right. Um, So, yeah, the last thing I kind of want to mention about this movie, because it'll carry over into the into the other ones, is um, how colorful and... uh, stylized like all of the stuff is like everything is themed to whoever is using it you know um so they're in a they're in the penguins submarine and it's literally painted like a penguin with flippers on it and uh you know all their costumes are so specific and even kitka catwoman when she's in her kitka disguise is always wearing leopard print or some kind of you know cat print so it's i mean it makes it really easy for kids to follow along and it's also got the kind of pop that you would get in a color comic book i assume um and uh that we're gonna we're gonna lose that pretty soon so it's interesting interesting to see that in this movie yeah actually real quick um something i wanted to bring up was was how each movie not only like the characters felt like the comic books of that age but uh the cinematography and the the set design felt like the the color and the the art style in comic books of that age like 60s um comic books always feel like they use really bright colors um and and very very cheery or not necessarily cheery because they could 
be some uh, bad things going on, but you know, uh, bright poppy colors. Whereas that kind of darkened, I think, over the years, like the movies did. Yeah, yeah, it definitely pops up. Yeah, I didn't even think of it like that, but yeah, that actually reflects that reflects the times as well, because you know, you know, the political climates. You know, if you look at Every time the actually every time the film's made, you can kind of pick up where, you know, the public is mentally. And, you know, just like in the 60s, that was like everybody's just like, oh, let's just have a great time. Except for 89. That's, you know, great segue, by the way, <laughs> when Tim Burton was like, no, no, it's he just Tim Burtoned all of it. It's very Tim Burtony. So if you like Tim Burton, you're going to love this movie. It's, but. it's old school Tim Burton. Tim Burton is kind of, yeah. his style has changed quite a bit as far as I could tell. Like up until um, Alice in Wonderland, he had very kind of impressionistic kind of, uh, um, you know, contrasty images and stuff. And now it's a lot of CG'd um, bright and just like every color imaginable in every frame kind of a thing. So it's it's before that. So if like you're only familiar with the Alice in Wonderland and um, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's a different style, but it's still very very original Tim Burton. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can feel it both in uh, in the, in the set design for sure. The set design feels very very Tim Burton, where you very clearly have the feeling that all the sets are sets. Um, and they've been, you, you can feel that they're styled um, in this whimsical but still dark and menacing kind of way. Yeah, yeah especially before, even when you look at like, too, the characters. Before we get too far into that, we should talk about what the 1989 movie covers. So basically, we have almost like a... Like a you know, recovery of um, the first issue of Batman comics from the 40s. And pretty much this movie is about if you want to get to the basic, you know, high concept, you know, plot, it's Batman versus the Joker. There's like the that's the barest of bones you can get. You know, a bigger plot mm-hmm. would be Batman, you know, dealing with his duality. You know, he's trying to live a normal life as Bruce Wayne, but he has to keep going back to Batman. And you have the origin of the Joker, which is just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> is it wrong? I, I don't right. know. But... It's right, but it's so wrong. How so? And well, <laughs> Explain further, please. Well, so... Oh, oh, we're going to pull out my comic again. Okay. So, in the 80s, <laughs> Watch in the out. 80s, the book's coming out. we have The Dark Knight Returns, written by Frank Miller, which is about an older Batman in a 1986-style setting in the not-too-distant future, where he's retired, he comes back, and also, the Joker comes back as well, because he's just you know he's nobody without batman and also uh tim burton has been documented for saying he was inspired by that and a comic or a graphic novel called the killing joke which is about uh supposed to be about batman and the joker's last uh battle you know with you know wits and fists and guns um and you can kind of pick up 
you, you kind of pick that up in the film because, you know, even though it's the first encounter of Batman and Joker, it, you know, ultimate spoiler alert, guys, it ultimately leads to the last, which is kind of in the comics, too. It's kind of in the comics because they want to kill off the Joker in the very first issue he appeared. And then the editor was like, are you crazy? <laughs> this is too good of a character to lose. Yeah. What, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, so this movie does a pretty good job of of setting up, um, or at least like from from the film perspective, because all I know are the movies. So kind of like if this is an isolated story, for me, I think it does a good job of showing how the Joker and Batman are two sides of the same coin kind of thing, how they kind of created each other. Because in this story, we have um, the Joker when he was younger is actually the the thug who killed Bruce Wayne's parents and then through a a scuffle that happened at a at a, a chemical plant Batman in, uh kind of drops inadvertently drops uh the Joker into a vat of acid which makes his face all messed up and so that's where we get the the classic um Jack Nicholson Joker face um and and so we kind of get that duality and then it all culminates into a showdown at the end. Right. I will say that the vat of acid is better than the Suicide Squad vat of acid. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. see Suicide Squad, so I have no idea what happens there. Well, well let's spoilers, just say... There's a vat of yeah, acid. It's, it's, yeah, it's... <sighs> so, in this movie, um, we we still have a lot of fun moments, like... Uh, a, a lot of moments of levity, um, but contrasted with a lot higher stakes, like much higher stakes than we got in 1966. Um, and that's all that's kind of shown through also the, the cinematography, the fact that we have a lot more um, shadows and desaturated moments, but we also still have very specific uses of color. Um, so we're getting more of a contrasty um thing where where in the light areas we have color and then but whenever we get into shadowy parts it's almost total monochrome which is a really interesting style i think does that kind of reflect how the what the comics were looking like at that time oh yeah so to go back to um i guess dark knight returns and killing joke so in those comics well really let's take out the killing joke for a second in the dark knight returns because Frank Miller's uh, styling of, you know, coloring stuff because he was hot off of, you know, making Daredevil a darker, grittier kind of realistic superhero. When he did Batman, it was like um, just about all grayscale. And the only things of color you saw was like Robin and, you know, Batman's yellow symbol. And then when the Joker popped up, even he was wearing like a gray suit. You know, the only thing that popped out was like, uh, you know, his red lips and his green hair. And, you know, everything was pretty much very dark at those times because they wanted to really brand Batman as like the super ultra you know, superhero that Gotham deserves, but they're so afraid of him. <laughs> right. I got you. So it's it's less of the idea um, that we had in the 66 movie where everybody loves Batman, um, mm-hmm. but there, there's, there's all... And then they transition to, in this 89 movie, um, this idea that 
some people see Batman as a public menace and some people see Batman as a hero. Right. Right. It's all there. And then that reflected the comics as well, because when you go back to Batman Year One, which was also written by Frank Miller, which came out about, I think, a couple of years after, uh, that's when you really had the uh, rebooted kind of introduction. That's actually the original reboot of Batman altogether, where it was like he's a loner. He's hated by all of Gotham, except for like a few individuals like Commissioner Gordon and things like that. And Batman is just trying to, you know, save the day while everyone hates him. It's kind of like, I call it the Spider-Man syndrome. (laughs) I gotcha. Um, So I'm not, I'm pretty sure this movie was, was um, pretty popular when it came out. And, and it can still be seen as, you know, fun for kids, maybe not really young kids, but it's still, um, you know, it's it's more of the uh, the kids movie that you know boys who have grown up with knowing Batman are like starting to get a little bit older and now they're kind of excited that they get more action you get more um, uh, you know it just feels more real and grounded than 66 anyway because we haven't got right. to uh, Christopher Nolan yet um, right but even at this point like once once you take 66 and start going darker, uh, and this isn't even as dark as Tim Burton wanted it to go, uh, because we see in Batman Returns, we have an article that we'll post in the in the blog post about how Tim Burton was given much more free reign in Batman Returns, and it got much darker. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, you know, some audience push or or some expectation that it was still kind of a kid's franchise got a little bit shaken up after that and then it just it just kind of seems to be this steady decline once you start going darker to get darker and darker and darker and there's um it's kind of hard to hit that happy medium i think 89 and uh batman begins kind of are kind of the the best in between and on the other sides you get too cheesy and and too depressing i guess right right Right. I think I think part of it's always been, um, at least since the 80s, that Batman's been this big contrast to um, all other superheroes in general, but especially Superman, which uh, always seemed to feature these really optimistic storylines. And then Batman just became a little more dark, a little more pessimistic, and it just went way farther um, to the point where you get Batman versus Superman, where um, Batman is really, really dark. Oh yeah. So I have a question um, for you guys. What did you think of the '80s dance numbers? Because <laughs> those were the points when I got taken out of it, and I was like, "This did not age well." But uh, I'm curious what you guys thought about it. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I'd seen this movie a couple years ago, but I didn't grow up with it. Um, so those dance numbers felt a little out of place to me also. Um, they're, I mean, they're kind of the Joker's crazy, um, you know, humorous bits, but they still feel strange in a way. I don't know, but I think Aaron might have a different opinion on it. Oh, 
Oh, well, well, not really. It just, it did not age well. It really didn't. Um, I think, and, you know, to kind of go to Batman Returns a little bit, um, in Batman Returns, it feels a little more timeless. I think at that time, uh, once 89 hit, uh, when Batman and the Animated Series came out a couple of years after, they were kind of in this bubble in the cartoon and the comics where Batman needed to feel like this timeless sort of 1930 to 70-something to feel just, you know, there were like Zeppelins everywhere and, you know, tall skyscrapers. But it just, when I watch, when we go back to those um, those dance sequences, you know, even though there was the really, really cheesy and great Prince number, it just, it it's not like with the 60s version, it's just, you can, it doesn't really mesh well with the tone that Burton was trying to set up. Right, and it doesn't seem like a very Burton thing to do. Yeah. It, it almost feels like a studio exec said to do it, but but I don't I don't know I've, I haven't researched it that deep. I can imagine though what it would be like if it did come out in '89 and you were you were like a 14 year old uh, with your friends watching it and you were like, hey, the Joker listens to Prince too, isn't that awesome? Um, but but for me, like it it just takes me out of it, but. But I did. I have noticed that a lot of the Gotham uh, or Batman reboots, ever ever since the the eighties, seem to feel in this uh, amorphous time zone, like not really present, but not really past either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's. You're right. It, it does have this kind of strange, um, almost you know classic america and yet still sci-fi kind of blend that's really interesting i never thought about it like that yeah and you can and that just that comes from after you know after burton was given the boot thanks to you know his you know his overt attitude and how Batman should be treated that's when we got you know Val Kilmer and George Cooney and everybody was like no superheroes are not a good product Uh the reboot that shall not be named yeah and only one man could uh could save the franchise as far as I'm concerned so um yeah let's get into Batman Begins do we want to break down the plot of that movie it's a little bit more complicated than the other two Right, so Batman Begins is uh, the 2005 reboot, and I think this is the one that our generation definitely grew up with. So this is this is the version of Batman that I imagine in my head, and I think most people my age imagine in my head. Um, but this covers the the year one plot, uh, starting at the point where. Uh, Bruce Wayne's parents are killed and he's he witnesses it and then he grows up and has to deal with this So what is what is he gonna do? Is he gonna seek revenge? Is he gonna seek a way to fight crime? And of course he seeks a way to fight crime uh, eventually returning to uh, Gotham to be the hero uh, the city deserves, but maybe not the one it needs right now Actually, I'm kidding. That's the next movie. <laughs> oh but, <my> gosh. <laughs> but he's also followed. He's followed uh, to Gotham by the man who trained him, uh, whose name I shall not say because that's a bit of a spoiler, I think, and we're not in the spoiler section yet. 
and and he has to deal with um, his his own identity and what's what's the best what what kind of hero is he going to be is he going to be the kind that kills is he going to be the kind that doesn't kill is he going to be the guy who uh, punishes or is he going to be the guy who tries to bring justice to the innocent and protect them yeah I the the aspect of this film that I really like and especially as far as you know rebooting the character is in the 89 version when we got like the the Bat- the Bruce Wayne's parents dying in the alley and that we kind of assume is how he uh, decided to become a, a crime fighter and and seeker of justice and all this kind of stuff but in this one we really get like like a down to earth how does how does the trauma of seeing your parents be murdered in front of your eyes like step by step lead um someone with as much resources as they could want into uh becoming this uh this kind of legendary figure and we don't get to see that in any of the other in any of the other films so it's it's just a a really it it helps us cement in our mind like okay i could actually see uh that happening i could see how this could be a real thing Right, and I think I think this is the first movie where we get to um, really really dive into to Batman's psyche as as mo- as much as we are used to. Um, I mean, obviously, in the '66 version, he is the protagonist, but we never really deal with you know that series of emotional uh, uh, conflicts. But in and in '89, uh, honestly, there's just not much batman in 89 like uh that's that was the one thing i was most surprised about having watched 2005 first when i was younger and then going to 89 we don't see batman for a while in the movie or bruce wayne at least and and even then we follow valerie vale and not valerie vale sorry vicky vale um and and the joker for most for as much of the plot as we do the batman whereas in batman begins it's it's all batman yeah, and in 89, all of the kind of personal moments with Bruce Wayne kind of fall flat and they feel kind of crammed in there because we don't, we don't know that much about his internal motivations. So his, his kind of romantic flings and stuff are, are kind of thrown in there, but they don't have as much weight as seeing Bruce Wayne's interactions in Batman Begins because we, we've spent the time like diving into his psyche uh for a good portion of the beginning of the film right yeah that definitely um as just you know at that time i was like a huge batman fan but i didn't really dive into like you know the comics you know i was really just you know a cartoon kind of guy but because of batman begins that really showed you know plus you can appreciate because of how adult it is without you know going completely left field and it just you know it kind of you know, it's awakened a lot of fans, you know, you know, myself, you guys, and, you know, I'm pretty sure just about everybody who would listen to this, who knows about Batman, and it reflects the comics at that time so well, and I, and in the 70s, and I think Christopher Nolan, you know, understood where Batman would be coming from, you know, how we should, you know, 
look at him from you know it's it's a really cool character study you know above all else because you know even though we get you know a couple of villains and we get you know the idea of like his you know his uh his attitude and we get you know a couple of characters that have never ever appeared in any other batman medium uh other than you know in these films you know the other two as well uh, it really reflects the comics in just a way that I don't see anyone else doing. You know, maybe Ben Affleck will surprise me, but <laughs> you know, until until now, these these are just these are just really it's really a great film. <laughs> right, the jury's still kind of out on Batfleck, but and yeah. we shall see. In terms of a reboot, like it's a really smart choice, I think to. I mean, take an entire film to basically give us the exposition for a series of movies that are coming out. I don't know how many um, films they were planning to uh, make before Heath Ledger died. Um, But, I mean, taking the time with this film to just establish Batman from from conception to, uh, you know, citywide figure... I mean, it, it, it makes you so you can do whatever you want after that and, um, and not be kind of curious about motivations or anything because you know this person from a lot of different angles. Um, and still, even though it's basically uh, two hours of exposition for Batman, it still holds up wonderfully as its own movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's over 10 years old now, which is shocking to me. Um, it makes me feel old, but it <laughs> it, it, it does. And I think uh, Christopher Nolan was uh, beyond perfect as a choice for um, for, for this reboot. I know we, we already did a whole episode gushing over Christopher Nolan, but, you know, he, he just uh, was able to make this very expositional plot super interesting and that that's what it feels like when you're watching it It, is it's like you're watching unless you've you're a comics fan who's actually read year one and maybe even still then it's watching this part of uh the batman mythology that i think a lot of moviegoers just weren't familiar with like how did how do you make this transformation from bruce wayne to batman um like the nitty-gritty of that transformation and made it make it really interesting Right. Plus, you can really appreciate how um, you know you get to not only interact with you know Bruce most of the time, but you get to see a lot of citizens of Gotham and their kind of perspectives on both you know good and bad sides. And it's just you know, and of course you know it all goes back to what Bruce's motivations will be when he comes into Gotham you know after X amount of years because you know being trained, and it's just. Just seeing that, just seeing Gotham come to life like that, you know, you didn't really get that before uh, the film uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, so we also have uh, this this Christopher Nolan movie to thank for that that modern series of uh, video games that are so darn good. Batman, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, right. I think. Yeah, uh, I don't play video games enough to be rattling off this list, but I know they're really good. Oh, yeah. And he's the reason for that. Um, do, are there direct influences from these movies to the games? Because I know, Aaron, you've played 
all of them have well, you played well, all of them for yeah all of them for like ever since like what 2008 they or came nine, out. whenever it came out yeah so like because the way chris nolan you know kind of revitalized batman at that point and in the video games it kind of, they, they try to like bring all of you know every incarnation of batman to that point and putting it in one uh, one big video game, but you can definitely see the aesthetics of Chris Nolan's take on Batman because like there's a whole sequence, you know, uh, talking about his psyche, you know, going to his parents' death. Uh, you get Lucius Fox, you know, and he kind of sounds like Morgan Freeman, not really. Um, you get you <laughs> as get close Alfred, as they could get. Yeah, you get Alfred, who has a pretty, you know sizable role uh in arkham city you know very similar to um michael kane's version but like the way the way the mob has you know such a you know hold over uh the over the video game and then something happens and it gets bigger and bigger like in the known films it's just that's why those games are great wb please make more of those (laughs) (laughs) i i need to play those they're they're Yes, it just looks so darn good. Um, but yeah. that uh, you did bring up a good point, though. I think this is the first, at least the first movie adaptation. I don't know if this happened in the uh, comics beforehand, uh, but where we see like a really active Alfred, um, and of course he gets he gets more active in you know the next two the next two iterations to hit media which are Gotham, the TV show, and Batman versus Superman, where we both we see a really active Alfred in both of those incarnations. But definitely compared to 1989 and 1966, 2005 with Michael Caine is a big step up. Um, and I know Christopher Nolan loves Michael Caine, and how can you not use Michael Caine right. if he's Alfred? But right. I, I don't know. Do you think that came from the comics, or do you think that was uh, an introduction in, in the movies that just kind of carried forward? That was like a mixture because in the comics, Alfred was pretty much just in the Batcave, you know, dusting off, you know, a a cobweb or something. And, you know, the only the biggest role he got in the comics was when he got amnesia and he forgot that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Spoilers, guys. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, That sounds like a really funny comic. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in these Christopher Nolan movies, we we kind of culminate Alfred's role in The Dark Knight Rises, where there's a almost kind of a climax in Bruce Wayne and Alfred's relationship. That I mean, right. Al- you, you definitely see the personal influence that Alfred has on Batman's life. I mean, he literally becomes like a father figure, and this is this is definitely the probably the the best we see this in films because even in um, well, I guess we'll we'll talk about Gotham later, but in in Batman vs Superman, uh, Alfred is almost like like kind of a buddy buddy with um, Batman, and as opposed to kind of having this respected distance, and yet having a uh, you know Batman's respect on Alfred's input into his life, and not just kind of uh, a friend or a servant. Right. Right. Um, so the last thing I want to I want to mention about Batman Begins before we get into Batman versus Superman is that even though this has been coined the dark and gritty reboot, there is still so much humanity and so many moments of comic relief 
that we're not just kind of beaten over the head with this uh, grimmer version of Batman than we've seen ever before. Um, I mean, we've got the, all these moments like, um, you know, Bruce Wayne trying to get back his billionaire playboy persona and he's swimming with models in the hotel and he buys the hotel. And the, mm-hmm. there's uh, all the moments where he's playing with the new gadgets with Lucius Fox. Um, there's just a lot of fun. And so we still enjoy watching the movie and to transition this is a big loss that we get in batman versus superman because it is not a fun movie at all yeah no uh no it is um uh like a hundred percent serious all the way through it kind of just beats you yeah, over the head with it the whole the whole time is that yeah this is our dark and grim story and everyone is depressed and has kind of anger tension issues just all the time right right it's got i mean um except for lex luther who's funny in in the way that he shouldn't be <laughs> I, yeah i have no idea what to make of this lex luther with jesse eisenberg but you know definitely i think that's just part of uh zach snyder's uh, style when you think about his other big movies like Sucker Punch and 300 and Sin City um, where everything's really stylized but everything's pretty much serious all the time I, I can't think of a joke from any of those movies right now yeah or, um, or a, a light moment um. yeah yeah and it works it works really well in like Sin City I think it works pretty well in Sucker Punch I think it works pretty well um, I like Sucker Punch I know a lot of people don't but I like Sucker Punch but uh, but maybe maybe a bit too over the top in this movie, especially because it's not just a Batman movie, it's a Superman movie, um, and with the I think again I'm going to try to be knowledgeable about comics here, but I might be wrong. Um, it, with the exception of Injustice, Superman tends to be a fairly optimistic kind of the more positive hero. One hundred percent correct. One hundred percent, and yeah, it's just. Yeah. Does anyone want to try and describe the plot of this movie? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's, there's five movies in it, but yeah, yeah, it, I don't. It's well to go back to Frank Miller once again. Zack Snyder's take on the Dark Knight Returns Part 2, which is depicting Batman versus Superman for political reasons. Um, This film picks up one year after Man of Steel that was released in 2013. And it's basically Batman and the rest of Metropolis and I guess the world feels very uneasy about Superman and what he represents as a foreign uh, super powered being as opposed to, you know, Batman as a, you know, a vigilante in, you know, cape and cow running around. And it's pretty much a panic until we have a, I guess, a conspiracy within an enigma wrapped in a question uh, in the form of Lex Luthor's plot to destroy Superman for unknown reasons. reasons. Why? <laughs> why did he want to? Why did he care about? Superman? Oh yeah, what was his motivation? Was I don't none. remember. There was zero. He was beaten by his father. And <laughs> was was he just trying to prove that gods didn't exist? Was that his thing? I, he doesn't I, even say. I, he just wants to 
Yeah. He just wants to defeat Destroy Superman. Superman. Um, yeah. And then other motivation issues is why the heck the senator gave him access to the ship that had because all of that the, Jolly Rancher. Because of a jo- that Jolly oh, Rancher. That was creepy. Well, of, uh, that would make because me because of Lex Luthor's routine violation of personal space. Yeah, I would not give that guy anything. Like that would freak me out. I'd be like, are you bribing me with a Jolly Rancher? He has perfect hair. That's why. <laughs> oh my god. You, you know, you know, I'm a senator, right? Like a, a United States senator. And Jesse Eisenberg plays him so like mental. It's in. It's yeah. crazy. Like. Why is he still in oh, yeah. power office, of a office rocker? Why is he still in power of a corporation when he's he's clearly unhinged? Yeah, that, right. He's a little less crazy, yeah. like a fox, and a little more just crazy. He's almost right. he's almost Joker level crazy, which doesn't make sense in a world where the Joker exists. <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. I think. You know. I think. Uh, ever since Heath Ledger's Joker, we just kind of like those kinds of villains those kind of almost chaotic villains and and maybe this was their attempt at that to to kind of harken back to that but i've never really thought of lex Luthor as that kind of villain right he's more the the um powerful sitting in his office chair you know you know tapping his fingers saying i have this plan that's already in motion not the I'm crazy. I want to do crazy things because I'm crazy. Yeah, that's that's basically that's all just... I got from this is that he's crazy, so he wants to defeat Superman because because reasons. reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, um, but I think I think the point I think um, something that's, that's super important to understanding this movie is that it is uh, DC's DC's goal with this movie was to launch their cinematic universe um to try try to try to catch up with years of marvel in like one go but it should still make Um, sense like we were just talking about with batman begins um you can you can create a a film that is an exposition to a bunch of other films but it still has to be a good film right and i think they they try i mean they try to set up really uh, three characters at once here. It uh, it was nominally marketed as a Superman. It tried film. to set up five characters uh, or five or six characters. Oh, actually, right. I forgot about <laughs> oh, all those yeah, cameos. Yeah, it sure did. Oh man, yeah. there's so much going on in this movie. Oh, it's, it really yeah. suffers. Um, okay. Yeah, so speaking, I think the biggest thing in this movie is lack of motivation all around. The only person who has motivation in this film that's set up is Bruce Wayne. Um, right. Because he sees his company get destroyed or something at the beginning, and then um, all the stuff. But Superman ha- is kind of like weak motivation. Uh, I mean, he go uh, Lex Luthor just sets up a cage match with the two of them, and it doesn't make sense why he would do that. And then it's like, okay, you know, I really just wish that this film was just Superman and Batman, and we get to get a two-hander of of something happens that Batman does that Superman makes Superman angry at him and then and then Batman is involved with the collateral damage of something Superman does and then they both actually are angry at each other and then they start fighting like that would make this so much more compelling for me so you basically just described both the animated movie world's finest and the Dark Knight Returns part 2 but 
I mean, that would make so much more sense. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why they threw out a, a script like that in yeah. in lieu of, you know, Lex Luthor captures Superman's mom and then says, go fight Batman, and, is, and just right. sets him up for a cage match, which is kind of set up in the movie when we see Batman, um, you know, or we see Bruce Wayne literally at a cage match. I don't know what that was all about, actually. Does anyone know what that was about? Russian uh, spies? Wasn't he trying to get information from that uh, villain? I think, maybe? I don't know. He just, like, whispered something into one of the fighters' ear, and then he won, and I don't know why. Because he's Batman. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I'm Batman. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> colors are almost completely gone in this film, too, going back to that point. Yeah, yeah that was, that yeah, was a very I mean, big loss. It's very, it's very much a case of um, spectacle. Like, uh, like, like if, you, if you can shut off your brain for the movie, it, it, it's a really fun watch. Which you shouldn't have to um, do. Go listen to our Caruth exactly. episode, please. <laughs> it's, exactly. uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a different kind of movie than we normally talk about. It's, um, it's style over substance. And the substance is there. I mean, well, it's not like it's, it, it's not it has there. Potential. It's just not as fully fleshed out as, as the... Um, as the as the style is with with this very specific uh, uh color color look going on and the desaturation um and all of the steady cam geez yeah <sighs> yeah oh yeah uh, so so i'm curious aaron have they done have they actually done a batman versus superman plot in the comics i think you mentioned that yeah, earlier yeah that was yeah that was because I, basically every modern depiction of Batman in film post 60s has always gone back to Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns in some way and that goes straight from that like the and see and I know Zach loves his um he loves his you know panel for panel remakes in his film and the fight was basically the exact you know um style and everything even with the and sink dia- some dialogue yeah even with the sink oh my gosh i hated Every- the sink yeah it just it just cemented yeah, the cage was- match feel even more yeah that was and and i what's interesting is that this movie basically and i'm not you know trying to bash zach or you know what dcu is trying to do uh dcu don't hate me please don't hate <laughs> me dc but and you know, and even you know, there there was a really great documentary in '03 that talked about this. But when in 1996, when The Dark Knight Returns came out, and then a really great graphic novel Watchmen came out, everyone, right. yeah, everyone and their mom wanted to do that comic over and over. And ever since, you know, and what's interesting is in the films, you know, they were still kind of, you know, we had Spider-Man, you know, and with Tobey Maguire and X-Men come out. But once The Dark Knight came out, everybody wanted to make The Dark Knight. And it's very similar to how, you know, everybody wanted to do Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns in comics. Everyone wants to do Dark Knight in film when it comes to comics, except for Marvel sometimes. Right, and they they just kind of continued with that feel and then amped it up. Yeah. I mean, they even they even opened with Martha and Thomas Wayne getting killed um, in yeah. slow mo. I might add. Yeah, 
<laughs> they, and I, I was thinking, it was interesting. I was thinking while I was watching it that the way they did it was really, like, like it was really visually interesting and it was really well shot and well edited. But the problem was I, I already knew that story and everyone and their mom already knew that story. Right. So it, it felt like, why are we rehashing this? And especially, why are we drawing this out? Yeah, there's got while, to be we're a very it. small percentage of people who went to see Batman versus Superman as their first Batman film ever. Uh, so it did feel very redundant. And I think they made the... the um, that that kind of setup with the his parents getting shot as the title sequence which i guess was their cop-out way of saying oh it's not like part of the story we're just kind of using this as our visuals for the title sequence but it was way too underplayed it felt like the focus like it should have been much more stylized as a title sequence if you're gonna do that i don't know it it, it did felt like it take way too took way too long yeah definitely yeah and it was already it was already a long movie i mean yeah. I felt like I would have liked to seen an individual Batfleck movie first, and I like Batfleck. Even though he like he's he's crazy and he kills people, I think he's really fun to watch, and yeah, I think they do great. the bat. I think they do the bat action really really well. Like that was the most enjoyable part of this film for me was watching Batman kick ass. Um, even though he killed yeah, people. Yeah, can we that talk about the fact that he kills people? I'm interested, Aaron, in um, Batman's Batman's no killing policy. How does that play out in the comics? Um, Because some of these movies take it seriously, and others just let him kill people for no reason. Bat trigger warning, right? Yeah, yeah. This that makes me really feel some type of way too. So in the comics, in the very like the first couple of issues of. You know the original Batman comics in the '40s. I think he had a he had a pistol, and then quickly, you know, the creators and the editor was like, "No, you know, this guy shouldn't kill." Is and that so, when it became you know, more like kid oriented? Well, uh, not really, because then you had the Joker, who was you know straight up serial killer, oh, okay. you know, putting smiles on everybody. But then you know he became a you know friendlier like in the '40s. You know, like maybe five years, you know, like five to six years after he was introduced and he did not kill for like how many decades now? And then when, you know, no one came through, you know, he really fleshed that out why he wouldn't kill. And, you know, it's been cemented in, you know, just about everybody for, you know, a good decade. And then we have this guy who, you know, and it, and it goes right back to Frank Miller because, but see, even in the comic, you know, the Dark Knight Returns, which they keep lifting from in this movie, when Batman did use a rifle, he had, it was to, um, it was as a grappling gun because he ran out of all his gadgets and then when he did use bullets he used rubber bullets uh to stop like a riot and you know he still kind of kept letting everyone know that even though times have changed and villains have changed he hasn't changed with his no killing policy so that was just a very strange uh like the scene that always gets me in that movie is when he pretty much rammed uh he he hooked a he hooked those guys cars and then rammed them and you see the big explosion you're just like oh okay so weren't those cop cars he's too? killing now 
yeah, he's. I'm just like, oh, he's he's killing now. Oh, okay. No, like, yeah, okay. Literally the first time yeah, he straight up murdered those dudes. The first time yeah. we see him fight ever in this movie, he's trying to um, steal kryptonite to make weapons against Superman, right. and once he finds out he's been betrayed, he just starts killing people. He just starts shooting them, like point blank. Aiming guns at people and shooting them, not even like collateral damage, like happens sometimes in the Dark right. Knight movies. Um, but like, it, they were just shameless about it. He just, you know, ran over people with his car and shot mm-hmm. them. I, I don't. Yeah, it was very, uh, you know, kind of a whiplash thing from uh, Christopher yeah, and, Nolan's films. Yeah, and then also in the in that same comic when you know like Zach recreate like when he was going to you know save Martha uh, at the you know in the warehouse, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know he shoots he shoots uh, that guy's he shoots the guy's um, uh, tank and it, you know does the big explosion in the comic when he does he does do essentially the same exact thing where he shoots somebody. And, you know, leaves them, I guess, to die. But in the comic, that's like one of those moments where it's like really heartbreaking, where it's like he's compromised. He feels like he's compromised his beliefs. But he has none in and this And he movie. used a gun. Right, yeah. So, except for, you know, taking down Superman because there's a 1% chance that something, something kryptonite. Yeah, that's what I was about to Luther. say is that, I mean, I guess the, the most glaring example of this is that his whole like plan in this movie is to kill Superman, just straight up. Yeah. Right. Because Lex, not even like just, you know, ask ask him. Yeah. Not. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that that feels easier, but you know. Um. Yeah. It it was very strange. It was a strange decision for like if if it was, I feel like any other. Um, I feel I really feel like the. The reasoning for Batman to take down Superman should have been Lex's motivation, because that's more in line with what Lex does in the comics. And it just, you know, with with uh-huh. Batman, it just it was it was just it was very strange. Yeah. Um, can we talk for a second about the? Oh well, I guess we'll um, get into overall notes because I want to talk about the climax of this movie, the the last fight scene. Oh yeah. Um, the, the last hour long fight scene yeah, the last hour long uh, oh boy um, so we're going to get into overall notes spoilers ahead um, if we haven't spoiled stuff already anyway um, yeah so Batman vs Superman ends with uh, so after Batman and Superman fight uh, Batman learns that um Superman's mom's name is Martha, which is also his mom's name, and he learns that Lex Luthor has kidnapped her, and so now he feels a personal connection to Superman, and they become friends in under two seconds. Uh, so for the second half of the movie, they're on the same on the same side, um, and I mean, credit where credit is due. Superman's plan wasn't to actually fight Batman, but but to try yeah. and convince him that they need to go after Lex Luthor together, um, which once once Batman like home alones him, he uh, he starts actually fighting. Um, yeah, you you know what what actually is the weirdest part of that moment for me? What the fact that Superman is about to die, and instead of saying, instead of calling out for his mom, mom, he calls out his mom by his 
her mom, his mom's first name. Well, he says yeah. he says save Martha, um, so that like he he figured. Oh, like he's telling. Yeah, Batman. he's saying, okay, you you got me, but save my mom, please. But if he said save my mom, he would know who to go find. I guess who says save save Martha, and then Batman's Which supposed to isn't use his any more specific. I guess. Well, but, Batman's you know, supposed to use his greatest detective in the world abilities figure that out i guess hmm. Uh, hmm. um anyway and then amy adams chucks the spear in the water for reasons oh, yeah so oh so gosh. lois lane throws away the spear that batman has made out of kryptonite so that no one can attack superman until lex luther has created this monster out of out of oh um <laughs> Aaron, you want to get into this, or you want to stay out of it? I'm just. I'm worried we're causing you physical pain right now. (laughs) It a little. (laughs) Do you want to respond? Do you do you have something you need to get off your chest? Okay, here. Let me just let me just go with um. How does the how does the fight with Doomsday stack up to the comics? I'll let you take it from there. Well, in the comics, Superman has been around for quite some time. So that when Superman, quote unquote, gets beaten to death by Doomsday, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> okay. We don't. Also, when when Lois threw that spear, you know who should have shown up with the spear? Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I really. Oh boy. Man, the the how it should have ended for this one is perfect. It's <laughs> yeah. it's such a good. We'll how include it a link ended. to that. You know, some sometimes yes, the sites please. are just kind of like they they make up stuff, but there's actually like big plot holes that they address in this one, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they nailed it. They they got it. <laughs> like a good butler, Alfred is there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much actually how this movie goes because Alfred is constantly like, I guess driving the the. The bat plane or yeah. whatever. I, yeah. I, I wasn't yeah, totally sure how that worked. Can we talk about Alfred too? Like, does this Alfred have any bearing on the comics at all, or is he just? I just saw him as a steampunk cosplay of Alfred. He was. I I guess the closest to that Alfred would be like the the new rebooted version of uh, the. I guess they call uh, the post new 52 which they call rebirth so that batman uh, that yeah that interpretation of batman uh that alfred's pretty hands-on in how you know and how he handles things but even then they like i feel like in the film alfred should have just been like master wayne just think for a second yeah but he was think. he was almost like he almost felt more like a Robin, honestly, like a sidekick than a yeah. than a butler or mentor figure. Yeah, and I think in all, like, I don't know if that was the intention, but I really feel like uh, there's a character called Oracle who basically sits at a computer the whole time and watches Gotham for Bruce and, you know, pretty much, like, helps him get along, you know, with, like, different gadgets and opening up doors and all that stuff. I feel like that was originally meant to be Oracle. Yeah, it feels definitely more like that. Yeah. And they were just like, no, no, we need Alfred. You know, it was interesting because um, I think we're used to seeing Alfred as this father figure for Bruce Mm -hmm. who kind of raised him after the death of his parents and especially in with with Michael Caine in the Christopher Nolan versions and uh, Sean Pertwee in uh, the Gotham TV show. 
um, where, where Alfred's more of a father figure. But in this one, um, I thought that Alfred was kind of younger than normal and the uh, Bruce Wayne was kind of older than normal. They're almost similar in, in oh age. Oh my gosh, I just noticed that. You're right. Because, I mean, yeah, cause the whole point... Because this is old Batman. Yeah, the whole point is that this is kind of a Batman who's been Batmaning for, like, 20 years and uh, and is is... There's a little bit of talk of him, you know, quitting and stuff, and then he kind of starts the Justice League, and now his career is just starting up again. So I, I'm actually kind of interested in how, you know, an old, worn-out Batman is going to um, now start up this Justice League team, but we'll see how that yeah. goes. Mm-hmm. Also, Batfleck. Uh, Batfleck. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just so curious about the Batfleck movie. Yeah. I'm dying to see it. I, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad or what, but I really want to see it. Um, especially because Ben Affleck's turned into like a really good director in the past few years. Yeah, mm-hmm. Argo was great. Ever since Argo. But mm-hmm. I'm also um, I'm also curious what you thought of Wonder Woman, Aaron. Is she in this arc, or was she just put in there to set up Justice League? Like, I feel like she was there to not make Batman seem like a big jerk because you know by the end of it like i feel like batman could have easily found a way to you know get the spear to do something but she at some point i when i first saw it if i hadn't known that gal gadot would have played wonder woman i would have sworn up and down that was catwoman oh that's a good point they were like flirting you know and oh when she's in the in, in her street clothes okay yeah i felt like she was catwoman and then it just it didn't feel necessarily out of place because I think she was one of the best parts of the movie. I think if they she had was, spent yeah. more yeah, if they had spent more time building, you know, they in the comics they call them the Trinity, you know, the big three. Yeah. If they had spent more time, you know, building those three up instead of just having her pop up at the very end and I still feel like Aquaman should have shown up. Yeah, and they could have been like, Hey guys I don't know if they could fit I mean, they could hardly fit what they have in this movie into this movie but like yeah maybe we're seeing that marvel's approach was the the better one where we get our individual movies before the avengers so that we actually care about these people when they have to when they have to do their big fight um but i guess we'll see yeah, how just, this one plays out yeah, it's yeah just really, i feel like really i feel like hard. batman versus superman was um it was a batman movie it was a superman yeah. movie it was a Wonder Woman movie. It was a Batman versus Superman movie, <laughs> and it was a Justice League setup movie, yeah. all in the same thing. And they they didn't like like it like I felt like it it I would have enjoyed it if it was broken out a bit more. Yeah, it definitely right. suffered from that. But anyway, stuff that doesn't involve Batman versus Superman. Let's talk about that. Okay, um, so just like overall we can definitely see how um like like we said before each iteration gets darker and uh grimmer um and i'm curious if that's like driven by the comics or driven by the audience's expectation from the last one they're like okay it needs to get more intense after this one because i'm not feeling that way anymore um and i don't think it needed to get grimmer after batman begins i think that was a a, a good balance of humanity and uh you know dark crime uh drama 
yeah, that's you know, I think it reaction. might be. Yeah. I think it might be a um, like a reboot sickness mm-hmm. type deal where it's just happened so many times that each each iteration struggles to make itself unique compared to the to the other ones. So. It, it, the question becomes where do we take it from here and over the past few decades like we've been saying the the trend has just been to get darker and more serious uh in in entertainment which i think has happened in all forms of entertainment not just batman but um batman's just a really good example of it mm-hmm. yeah definitely that's yeah and then and you know you brought up a good point when you said when you asked if it's a reflection of the comics yeah it definitely is you know with you know with audiences and because of the comics because you know like i said when when the 80s hit you know it was you know everybody felt like nowhere but you know dark and gritty and then like even but even in the comics you can kind of see this shift where they're still leaning towards a bit more, you know, lightheartedness at some point. When you get a character called Bat Cow, you can kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can kind of, yeah, that's Robin's pet sidekick guy wow. thing. Wait, yeah, is you he can, a human? No, no, it's a cow. What? what? Yep. Is it an anamorphic cow? I'm so curious nope, about it's this. it's a cow. Just a cow. Just a cow. Oh my gosh. Um, oh man that's fuck oh, i knew google this <laughs> um yeah i mean but we've kind of taken it to the point where it's almost not fun oh my gosh <laughs> alex did you find it i'm sorry i just looked it up i love it it's yep. ridiculous uh, <laughs> oh my yep. god his his fur grows like a mask over his eyes <laughs> Oh, this is fantastic. Okay, you guys continue with the podcast. I'll be looking at pictures of Bat Cow. <laughs> but see, there's still there's still fun to it. I mean, like at yeah. at some point, I think with Batman versus Superman, it's almost not even fun to watch the movie. Like you leave it feeling just kind of depressed and not not He has hopeful. a cape. <laughs> no capes. <laughs> no capes. Oh man. Yeah, this is what you know what? I think a little bit of Bat Cow is exactly what Batman versus Superman needs. Yeah, just anything to make it lighter. And I think we were talking yeah, about this. Um, is that yeah. kind of the only way to bring Batman back to a light and fun version is to do what Lego Batman is doing. Um, which yeah, Aaron's the only much. one who's actually seen that. So you want to kind of talk about how how Batman has... Or, or the Lego Batman is kind of almost bringing it back to 66 yeah. level camp and fun. So like it's without spoiling anything, it's like it takes it. The one thing I, I can definitely talk about, about that movie that, you know, that is there is that, you know, Batman's sense of, you know, depressed, like attitude, you know, like, because, you know, he doesn't have, you know, in the general sense of family and, you know, the nuclear family, you know, that he lost, you know, they have that, but the way it handles, you know, like him versus villains, you know, his take on just the characterization of, you know, how Batman just does his thing. It's a perfect representation in the, 
in like yeah in the 60s sense because everyone loves batman you know he's a well-respected superhero and he's got he just got tons and tons of you know everything he's got the secret identity but it's just it's not really a parody of batman it's just like kind of like a love letter in a sense just like hey you know he can be campy too again yeah i dig it i'm down with that would you would you say would you recommend it oh yeah especially awesome well that's our free plug of the week especially folks. after batman Go versus Lego Superman. Batman. Huh? oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think breath, actually i think we have two sure. plugs this week um lego batman and unnamed backflip movie yeah and if we want to yes. plug gotham real quick just as kind of how could i not plug gotham <laughs> as further watching <laughs> if you want to get into oh yeah um, further i'm not batman yeah, i'm not contractually obligated to plug gotham but i feel a responsibility to plug gotham i work too hard on it <laughs> to not plug gotham um yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun. I, I'm actually curious, Aaron, how it stacks up with some of the comic uh, versions. Oh, it's it's. What's really interesting to me, it's it's almost verbatim with you know with a lot of the characterization of characters in the comics. But what's really interesting to me is that they've actually incorporated characters and like the way some of the characters are on the show into the comics. Because, like, that shows, you know, like, audiences really do love it. You know, I'm a pretty big fan, too. It's just, it's a breath of fresh air for Batman because, you know, it's on the title Gotham. You get that sense that, you know, it's a lively city. It's not just all doom and gloom. You know, there's, like, there's a reason why. You get, like, you know, a character here. You get a character here. You know, you get your... You know, your villains that kind of allude to, you know, bigger villains that, you know, in the future would show up. And it's just, it's really great. And it's it's got the, it's, it's got the characterizations down to a T. And it's even, it's, I think, it's a different kind of origin story than even right. Batman, than even the aspect that we get in Batman Begins. Because, just for those who don't know, Gotham takes, um, the city of Gotham when, uh, it, the first episode Bruce Wayne's parents die and he's uh how old is he in the show Alex uh I want to say he's about 14 it's now about 14 so we're seeing his I think he was like 12 or something 12 or 11 when his parents died right so we're seeing his teenage preteen to teenage journey and how how the death of his parents is affecting him and how seeing uh the the criminalization and deterioration of Gotham affects him and is kind of leading him to Batman because everyone kind of knows where the story is going and we're just seeing the genesis of some of the supervillains and um, some of Batman's motivation. Yeah, I think my I think my favorite part of the show, and of course all of my thoughts about Gotham are positive, <laughs> but uh, uh, but my absolute favorite part of the show is that when when you have a TV show, you get that time and that space to really explore. Um, and outside of uh, a comic book, you don't really, you don't get that in a, in a visual uh, uh, moving image format for, for Batman lore and Batman, uh, and, and I was about to say Batman City, but I mean Gotham. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's the coolest part for me is it, like you, you get to take a walk through Gotham every week right. and you get to see all these characters when they're really young and see how they, they got to certain places and um, 
especially see how all the villains became villains because um yeah. like oh, I, was, yeah. uh, I don't i don't know how accurate they've been because I, I i'm not super up to date on the comics um but what, what what's your take been on the on the characters on their origin stories so like even with some changes like you know with um with the joker every, even though the joker doesn't necessarily have a straight origin um you know they always run back to the vat of chemicals in the comics but i think i like the mystery you know because with dark knight you know they did the whole you know where did he come from things like that the way they introduce like the origin stories for villains and even you know seeing bruce really really grow up for real uh even you know as opposed to how they did it with uh, Batman Begins. It's just it's a breath of fresh air because you get to see the psyche. You get to see some people descend into madness. You know, another favorite character is uh, Enigma for me. Ed Enigma yeah. because oh, Enigma. he is just he is the greatest because he's you know like in the comics he's such a narcissist, but you like you don't really see how he became that. And, you know, oh, you see, yeah. like, the fall of the mob, and, you know, it just, it's really just fascinating, because, you you know, you only get, like, a couple of sentences in the comics about that stuff. I was I was also kind of wondering if there's anything that happened in Gotham that that transferred into the comics, like you said, happened with the Adam West show, or not yet. I think the closest to that would be... They beefed up the Court of Owls because of uh, the interest okay. the show took with that. Oh yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's been revealed. Yeah, the Court of Owls. Yeah. They've been super teasing yes. about it. They haven't given very much specifics in the show yet, as far as what's aired. Right. Yeah, that's right. kind of been like yeah. the the looming yeah. uh, background, doom and gloom. Aaron, anything else mm-hmm. you want to add? Uh, shout out to the Dork Knight podcast for giving me a shout out a couple weeks ago. You guys are awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. Nice, man. Yeah. But yeah, this was a really great episode because I was on there, of course, but because Batman. <laughs> because it's nice. Batman. Yep. Because I'm Batman. <laughs> Gotta get all of Batman. There needs me. to be a scene. There needs to be a scene in the movies where Batman and Superman go get coffee. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, I would love that. That'd be great. All right, so let's talk about uh, what we'll be watching next week. Um, so next week, um, coming up are the Oscars. So we've decided to watch the last three Best Picture winners from the Academy Awards, and we will be recording um, the day of the Oscars and the episode will be coming out two days later, so we will not know who wins Best Picture when we record, but we will be looking at the films that um, have kind of led up to it. Uh, so first we have the 2013 Best Picture winner, 12 Years a Slave. Um, fascinating uh, looking movie. We haven't watched it yet, neither of us, um, but it, it was written by John Ridley, who I have worked with before on American Crime. Okay. Uh, we also, sorry, plug, personal plug. plug, is that bad? <laughs> um, then we have the 2014 Best Picture winner, uh, Birdman. Which will actually have some interesting, it, we might be able to t- tie it into this episode because I think that's what it's about, Ooh, yeah. even though I haven't seen it, is, you know, Michael Keaton as a washed up uh, superhero actor. 
Right, right. There's there's a lot of very overt references to um, his Batman uh, career. Batman 89 just in the setup. I'm sure they'll make some more. And then the last film also has Michael Keaton. Yeah, 2015's uh, Spotlight, which um, is available on Netflix if you want to watch along there. One of... uh, we, we assume most of our listeners have Netflix, so that should be an easy one to reach for you guys. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode. If you have movie suggestions for us or want to reach out, I can be found on Twitter at at JS Satchel. And I'm at Alex Garinger. And I'm Aaron Michael underscore J. And to find links to stuff that we talked about today, you can view them on the blog at jssatchel.wordpress.com slash blog. Once again, special thanks to our friend Aaron Johnson. Great talking with you guys. Talk to you later. Same bat time. Same bat podcast. Podcast.